we got to get to the bottom of this. What the heck is going on with the class of 2021? You are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily podcast on the Penn State Nittany Lions, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked on Nittany Lines your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Zach Seiko, and yes, wherever you get your podcasts, that also includes YouTube. Go subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't already. If you like listening to the podcast, I'm sure you'll like watching it as well. And thank you to everyone that has already subscribed. Anybody that's commented, liked the video, I really appreciate it. It goes a long way helping spread the channel and please help the channel get to 500 subscribers. I've had to set a new goal, which is great because we shattered the last couple of ones. But let's get to 500 subscribers before the Rose Bowl game between Penn State and Utah. And yes, in due time, I've been asked about that. And I yes, I will have a full preview, uh, multiple previews, getting that full perspective of both Penn State and Utah and how the teams match up as the game gets closer. I don't know how useful a preview will be. Uh, just about three to four weeks out here. But I am excited when the game gets closer to have a bunch of shows devoted to not only Penn State, but Utah scouting the opposition as well. So that is on the way, just to let everybody know. Uh, so is the class of 2021 for Penn State football, is it in shambles? Possibly. And that's what we're going to address today in the opening segment. In the second segment, how Penn State is adjusting in the transfer portal with guys leaving. Who are they trying to bring in? We have a few updates, some new names to tell you about. And then in the last segment, Penn State men's basketball, I, I really don't know what that game was. Um, Michigan State came into the Bryce Jordan Center and had no problems winning. That's uh, uh, same, different year, same stuff. I'll keep, I'll keep I'll keep my reaction clean to that. Uh, but Penn State men's basketball, we got to address what that game was all about against the Spartans just last night. Uh, and it was a home game, and Michigan State did not exactly come in 100%. So a little disappointing, to say the least. So how about the transfer portal latest subtraction for Penn State football? And that is Devon Townley Jr., class of 2021. And that's why I said, okay is the class of 2021 in shambles. I'll get to that in just a second. How about, uh, what do we know about Townley? So Townley, six foot six, 220 pounds. He's a big defensive end, was actually a four-star recruit coming out of the state of Minnesota, 90 overall, according to 24-7 Sports. And he was the number 35 defensive end overall in that class, number four overall prospect from the state of Minnesota. So it's not like this kid didn't know how to play football. He was he was a good prospect in 2021. Townley did not play a snap just last year, uh, but he did see limited action in five games this year, uh, which he made two tackles. So I uh, did see a little bit of the field, but obviously not as much as he liked. So implications from this. I, I think this one stings a little bit more than uh, so far out of all of them. 
and, and things are going to continue to happen, right? I, I've explained in previous episodes, if you're just watching this one for the first time, if you're just seeing the Locked on Nittany Lions channel or listening to this podcast for the first time, to go back to some previous episodes, I have explained how Penn State opt-outs will work. It will not be all at once. It's going to be progressive. The guys that are making these decisions, that includes going into the transfer portal, that includes the NFL draft, that includes... Uh, any medical retirements, whatever. If a player has a decision this offseason, whether or not to return to the team, it is coordinated. So day by day by day, you are going to see one Penn State football player make a decision, and there's really no rhyme or reason to it, right? Uh, can we make heads or tails of how the order goes? I mean, Christian Bayer announced early, then it was Olu Fashionu, then it was Joey Porter Jr. So it's not like it's alphabetical or, you know, who's making the biggest decision. Like, I feel like an NFL draft prospect like Joey Porter Jr. should have gone first besides the point. So there's no rhyme or reason to who's going to announce and when, but it is going to be day by day by day. So anticipate tomorrow and, and over the next coming days that somebody else is going to be making a decision, announcing what they plan to do. But this one does sting because now we've seen how many people out of the class of 2021 in terms of the recruiting class hop into the transfer portal. You've had Christian Veyer. You've had Rodney McGraw, who just announced his decision, Jeffrey Davis Jr. And now you have De uh, Devon Townley do just that. So that's four from the class of 2021. And I know there's, you know, upwards of almost 20 recruits in that class, but it is a little concerning how many people are just immediately jumping in the transfer portal uh, from that recruiting class. Uh, now, to compare Townley's situation, I don't think this is necessarily all about just the class of 2021. I think this actually has a lot to do with the fact that it's just crowded at defensive end, right? They got Chop Robinson, who's going to be an NFL player when all said and done from Maryland in the portal last year. Adisa Isaac has found his footing and is now, I think, is really going to have a great season next year, that he's a veteran, that he finally had that full season of recovery to play following the injury. You have Deny Dennis Sutton, who's up and coming, uh, who's from the class of 2022 and was ar arguably one of the best recruits in addition to Nicholas Singleton and Drew Aller. He just hasn't had the chance to quite show it yet. Zariah Fisher came back from injury, honestly, a lot clicker than uh, a lot quicker than we expected him to, which is great, but uh, maybe not for a guy like Townley. And then what, what is Smith Vilbert's status? Uh, he's somebody that could hypothetically announce if he has a decision to make or let bygones be bygones. And he's coming back. You know, we don't know what kept him off the football field this year, uh, but he's a name that had three sacks in the Outback bowl against Arkansas for crying out loud. Like he's a good talent. Uh, so the defensive end room is crowded for Townley. So I don't blame him if maybe he wants to go back home to Minnesota and maybe play for PJ Fleck and the Golden Gophers if there's a spot available for him. So is the class of 2021 diminishing? Uh, my answer is not necessarily, but it obviously doesn't look good. And there's a couple reasons for that. The class of 2021, we can admit, was not... James Franklin's strongest recruiting effort. And that's not his fault. That's not anybody's fault, if I'm being honest. That actually has a lot to do with the fact that it was COVID, okay? 
why was James Franklin's 2021? That was a product of not being able to show recruits the campus, not being able to connect with them on a much more personal level, not being able to meet people past the virtual interviews and the virtual tours and everything was email and, and Zoom and video chat. And that's just, James Frank, did you notice? Did you notice how quick of a turnaround it was when 2022 and all the COVID restrictions were lifted and Dan James Franklin was back in his niche, back in his bag, and was able to get recruits on campus. And the class of 2022, with the impact they've already had, might be James Franklin's best recruiting class. Yeah, and that's saying something with the class that had Saquon Barkley and the class that had Micah Parsons. We might see 2022 be the best recruiting class in terms of productivity and, and accomplishments when all said and done the classes that were, were there but couldn't quite get over the bar that was set and maybe 2022 does just that but once all those COVID restrictions were gone uh, James Franklin and his recruiting team were able to step it up and now what we're seeing uh, so the 2021 recruiting class already being at a slight disadvantage in terms of just overall talent uh, we're seeing that 2022 and 2023 are basically just pushing those guys out uh, a little quicker than we imagine. So at the, at the end of the day, guys transfer, you look at previous classes in Penn state football history with James Franklin at the helm, you know, guys left the 2017 class that we thought were a lot of promise guys left the 2018. You, you look at any of them. I don't need to give specific examples. Just go back to any year. And you're like, man, I forgot about that kid. Or I forgot about that guy. He was supposed to be something supposed to be something special, but it just didn't work out here. Think of uh, Justin shorter. For example, it, he was not a, a problem of a player or disappointing uh, or underwhelming by any stretch of the imagination. However, just didn't work out here and opted to go to Florida. So, uh, but in addition to that, as much as I'm ragging on the class of 2021, uh, there is a lot of talent still left in the, it's just crowded at certain positions because Kalen King and Kobe King are a dime of a dozen and they're still with the team and they're going to start next year. Jalen Reed, Zachy Wheatley, Liam Clifford, Trey Wallace. So there's guys in this group that shouldn't be overlooked just because some of the other ones couldn't find their footing with Penn State here. And, and it happens. It's a survival of the fittest. This happens at every program. And that's now with the transfer portal, we're seeing it on full display. And so with people outgoing in the revolving door, you're going to have some people coming in. And that's exactly what the next segment is devoted to again. So there's going to be a lot of episodes like this over the course of the offseason, looking at the transfer portal, who Penn State's offered. And there are two new names that you should know about for Penn State that they have on their radar that they want to try to bring in and some interesting implications from that as well. And that is coming up next here on Locked On Nittany Lions. Today's episode is sponsored by LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. It's easy to create a free job post on LinkedIn Jobs, then add your job in the purple hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you are hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. That's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. 
LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That is linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. My name is Zach Seiko. Thanks so much for tuning in for another episode of Locked On Nittany Lions. If you're watching on YouTube, comment down below on this episode what player or players you would like to see them nab in the transfer portal, Penn State, that is, and which guys you think could really contribute, uh, even if they've offered them or not. If there's a running back you like that you think would add some good depth, whether or not we know the status of Kevon Lee at the recording of this episode, uh, posting of this episode. Uh, but besides the point, any player that you think could be an instant contributor to the Nittany Lions in 2023, comment that down below. Or any questions that you have about guys that are entering the transfer portal, I'm happy to answer those in upcoming episodes as well. And thank you so much for making Locked on Nittany Lions your first listen today. For your second listen today, check out Locked on Sports today from the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports. Go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so now the Penn State players, there's now been four from the class of 2021 that have opted to go into the transfer portal. Who are some of those other guys? We're up to over, I, I couldn't believe this when I was told this. We're up to over a thousand college football players, and that's over the FBS and FCS. So that's all all encompassing here. But across Division One football, we have over one thousand names in the transfer portal, and I could probably devote a segment to this. It doesn't necessarily affect Penn State too much, but there are a lot of guys that just don't end up finding a scholarship, don't end up finding a new home. And it's something that is a little forgotten. There's no guarantee when you go, oh, you know, they're looking for greener grass and everything's better when you get in the transfer portal. It's, I said in the first segment to kind of define how people survive classes, recruiting classes, the survival of the fittest. It's kind of the same thing. And this is also affecting recruiting as well. Naturally, guys who are high school seniors that would be destined to get that additional scholarship now have to become a walk-on, or in the case of Penn State, a run-on in some situations uh, where that scholarship is going to a veteran 21, 22-year-old and not a 17-year-old out of high school. So it's it's really all backwards with NIL and the transfer portal, and you do have the additional year from COVID playing a lot into this uh, besides the point. But it it is a reality. The transfer portal is not all – for a lack of a better analogy, kittens and rainbows, <laughs> if you will. It's just not that glamorous, okay? Uh, there is a harsh reality to it that not everyone is guaranteed a spot when all said and done, but that is the risk of it. Okay, so who is in the transfer portal that Penn State is trying to find greener grass for? The first name, which I think is very intriguing, is Jeremiah Byers. And that is former, he's a former UTEP right tackle. He's a true right tackle. All-conference USA guy, started all 12 games for the minors, uh, and he's considered one of the best offensive linemen available in this transfer portal cycle. Uh, According to On3.com, number six overall, period, in the transfer portal. Number six overall football player, which means he's the number two overall tackle. Number two overall tackle in the transfer portal. So uh, a former three-star recruit out of Texas. Uh, Again, these high school rankings kind of go out the window uh, when it comes to the transfer portal because now you've seen them against comparable talent in college. 
Uh, but Jeremiah Byers would, of course, be an instant impact type of guy. Why is Penn State going after him? Well, Penn State, that's not only the other guy that Penn State is targeting. A Johnny Cornelius is another guy. Uh, grad transfer offensive lineman from Rhode Island can play either tackle position, but this is a guy that Penn State is looking at for right tackle. And it begs the question, why? <laughs> Right. Why is Penn State targeting a right tackle when hypothetically you have Caden Wallace coming back? I find that very interesting. I was under the impression that Bryce Efner was definitely not coming back, but there's a chance that he could. And I, as important as that is for Penn State in terms of depth, um, maybe they want to move in a different direction just with them recruit and I've been told, oh, well, it's about the depth. And, you know, with offensive line, you saw how quickly with Olu Fashionu going down and Sal Wormley was never 100% and Caden Wallace. Okay, I get that. You lost a bunch of starters along the offensive line. But you have, hypothetically, all five of your starters from 2022 coming back. Olu. Landon Tangwall is recovering from injury. All right, that's someone I forgot to mention got injured and was out of the lineup. But Landon Tangwall, Juice Scruggs, Sal Wormley, and Caden Wallace. Boom, there's your starting five from game one against Purdue. They're all supposed to be coming back. Plus, you have J.B. Nelson into the fold. You have Hunter Norzad, who announced that he was returning. You saw Drew Shelton come in and play admir admirably with Olu Fashionu being hurt. So what gives Penn State? Why are you recruiting uh, surefire starters at right tackle if you know something that we don't? And you have the recruiting class to go along with it. Look, I'm not saying you can't, okay? If these guys want to come play at Penn State and compete at right tackle and push Caden Wallace or Bryce Efner or whoever's there for a starting job, I'm all for it. It's healthy competition. But also at the same time, is it really necessary with when you have a cap on scholarships to not go after a running back or a veteran quarterback or a, a, another wide receiver? Maybe instead of just getting one, how about you get two um, linebackers? Uh, so Penn State seems uh, they they know more than I do. I will trust James Franklin's judgment, but I'm kind of on the edge of my seat waiting for that information about a Caden Wallace or a Bryce Efner that ultimately confirms what Penn State is doing. Okay, so it is a little bit of a mystery, especially if you have all the and maybe that's just in case. Maybe we don't know the status of Caden and Bryce just yet. And Penn State's waiting on that. And once they do, then they'll kind of figure out what their plans are. Um, but I, I totally under I'm not trying to underestimate offensive line depth, but it just seems like Penn State might not be sold on Caden Wallace or Bryce Efner or they're just flat out not coming back. And they know that and they're getting ready to make their announcement. But uh, don't don't hold me on that. That is just all speculation. But, uh, you know, like let's just take for an example. Right. They're they're not really going after. Uh, linebackers. They're they're going after defensive ends, and we felt like linebacker was a position of need. They're not really going after running backs either, and we don't know what Kevon Lee's doing. So do you see what I'm saying, putting two to two together and, and saying that, okay, if you're going after offensive linemen when you're supposedly having a bunch and you're not going after running back when you might lose one, so what does that tell you um, if you get what I'm saying? Now, they did offer another cornerback. Let's go to the defensive side of it, and that is Iowa product Terry Roberts. Well, originally, he's from Pennsylvania, 
went from went to Erie Cathedral Prep, and that's actually where Juice Scruggs is from, and they won a state title together. So maybe Juice Scruggs can do a little bit of recruiting and bring Terry Roberts back in state. Uh, listed at five foot ten, 182 pounds. He's a boundary cornerback. Uh, he was a special teams guy in 2019 and 2020. Uh, made actually a lot of tackles, and Iowa actually gives out a hustle award for special teams gamers, and Terry Roberts uh, actually won that. Now, he's battled some injuries. Uh, 2021, he saw the second half of his season taken away from him because of an injury, and he missed a bulk of 2022 with the same thing. Had a great start to the season, had an interception, had a pick six that was called back. I've seen that highlight floating around on the internet of Roberts intercepting the Nevada quarterback and taking it all the way down the sideline, and it was uh, called off. And then he had an injury again out for most of the season and played just one game after suffering that injury. So, and it goes back to my point in a previous episode that cornerback is a need. I think it's a little bit more of a want as opposed to a need because you have Johnny Dixon and Kalen King as certified starters. You have Daquan Hardy in the slot. You have all these talented guys coming in the class of 2023. I totally understand wanting to have another veteran because that's how Penn state wants to operate. And that's the bigger point is getting that co-starter because that's what Johnny Dixon was. Now that Johnny Dixon's going to be the full starter, Penn State just wants to have depth and experience, and that's why you're seeing guys like Kyrie Jackson pop up. And now you have Terry Roberts, who makes a lot of sense for Penn State, and he's familiar in the Big Ten. And honestly, Iowa had and Illinois both had top-tier secondaries. So if you can pull a guy from Iowa secondary and plug and play him in Penn State's, I, I am all for it, but uh, notice how these guys are all boundary corners. It just has to do with the fact that Penn state essentially wants that third guy that if Kalen King's got to come off the field, they can rotate Roberts there or anybody, Kyrie Jackson, whoever they find uh, or vice versa. If Johnny Dixon has to come off the field, then they can, uh, they can move Roberts into there and then they don't miss a beat. Uh, so that's the point of it. So those are the latest updates for guys that they've offered. I think the total comes to eight or nine players officially that they have extended offers to. Uh, and it will be interesting to see as time moves on, which ones they are able to get to commit. And we know that wide receiver Dante Cephas out of uh, originally from Penn Hills, Pennsylvania in the Pittsburgh area, went to Kent state is actually taking an on-campus visit. So he is certainly interested. We return on Locked on Nittany Lines, the final segment. It's not as exciting as the speculation of Penn State football getting some true superstars out of the transfer portal. It's understanding what went wrong with Penn State men's basketball and why this was such a disappointing game as they lost to Michigan State last night. It is Locked on Nittany Lions. Let's review that game next. Today's episode is sponsored by Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fixed. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. So Penn State men's basketball loses. Uh, Michigan State uh, gets back to its winning ways because they started out strong to begin the season, but then they lost guys like Malik Hall. Uh, Akins has come back, but he's not 100%. Well, the Spartans looked like uh, with Hogard 
they had no issues. Hogard was the leading scorer for the Spartans, and they had no problems in the Bryce Jordan Center. 67 to 58. I thought that Penn State was going to score uh, quite a few bit more points. My prediction was 70 to 68. Penn State winning. So I was right in the ballpark for Michigan State. Penn State let me down. Um, the Spartans continue to be the kryptonite of Penn State men's basketball because as we heard from Matt Sheehan of Locked on Spartans and the crossover, uh, this historically was the first time that Penn State was favored in a game against Michigan State since 1997. 1997. And, well, they lost. Uh, so go figure, right? And uh, everyone, <laughs> this was going around on Twitter, and Tom Izzo, uh, I guess, is a man of words, and he's got a, a way with his wisdom and said, you know, hey, he started off the press conference saying, hey, you know, Penn State, you got a good basketball team and a good coach. Uh, well, that's all well and nice, Co uh, Coach Izzo, but I, I feel like you say that every year, whether it's Micah Shrewsbury or whether it's uh, Coach Ferry or it's Pat Chambers, uh, that's just coach speak for we're better than you. And it's going to stay that way. Thanks for playing. Thanks for trying. Uh, so the game itself, uh, the takeaways from it, and these aren't mine. These are just uh, observations of uh, how Penn State performed. They only had one field goal made in the second half with five minutes to go. Five minutes and you only get one basket. You only get one field goal. There is some free throws in there, of course. So those weren't the, those weren't the only points, but one regulation field goal in five minutes. That is completely unacceptable when Michigan State is down its best defender. Uh, number two, you live by the three ball. You also die by the three ball. They were eight for 27 behind the arc. That is also unacceptable when you're supposed to be one of the best three-point shooting teams. Now, if Penn State gets hot, they're unstoppable. But if you're going to face a good team that can rebound and can defend the arc very well, and that's what Penn State's running into, so... Part of the reason Penn State was able to get off to the start that it did was because teams just weren't good at defending the arc. Well, as you get into Big Ten play, as you face more comparable opponents, you're going to find that those teams don't exactly let you shoot the three-pointer at will. And we are seeing that as of late with teams like Virginia Tech, Clemson, and now Michigan State. Uh, Penn State did start freshman Keba Jai. Love to see it. Didn't have the best performance. Only a couple of points. He had six rebounds. Showed the inexperience, but you just got to get him in there. Uh, he is somebody that has a lot of expectations and a lot of responsibility on him. Nobody's expecting him to be a superstar right out of the gate. But at the same time, for me, I want to see him... Uh, progress so much more and that's where the responsibility comes in because he is truly the x factor if he plays completely different and much more better than the start of the season he will be the difference for penn state when the big 10 tournament rolls around and if penn state's going to make the push as a bubble team kebajai is the x factor it's not anybody else. And he's a true freshman. And those are some lofty X. That's lofty responsibility. He's not expected to do that. But if he can, it will make Penn State that much more competitive. I also thought it was interesting. So out of halftime, when they ran out of the tunnel, and instead of doing traditional layup lines, the assistant coaches and players lined up around the three-point arc, and they were doing perimeter shot defense drills. 
So that tells me that Micah Shrewsbury wasn't exactly happy with the way that they were defending uh, outside shots from Michigan State because for four straight minutes, that's all they did was trying to defend and get to spots with uh, passes going everywhere. Uh, on, on the bright side, Penn State did debut its alternate uniforms. Uh, they wore blue at home, which I had to do a double take when I tuned in for the game. I said, uh, Michigan State doesn't wear blue. And I was like, wait a minute, that's Penn State. Why are they wearing their dark uniforms at home? Uh, maybe that's just me being, uh, you know, get off my lawn or whatever. I'm only in my mid-20s. Why do I even care about that stuff? Uh, but Penn State did. I like the alternative uniforms, but I like the white uniforms. The all-white. You are at home. Wear those. But they were nifty. I, I, I will give them that. So, hey, that's the – well, they lost the game, but they look pretty cool doing it. <laughs> there's, there's – at the end of the day – there's no excuse for Penn State losing to this Michigan State team. Uh, I won't blame coaching because I know that Micah Shrewsbury uh, is an ace when it comes to coaching battles, but Tom Izzo is not somebody you can push around in an X's and O's battle. Okay, that's one. I will say that execution on the floor failed the team yesterday. If you were only going to score one basket out of five minutes left to go in crunch time, you deserve to lose that game, and you can only do so much coaching to put your team in that situation. So uh, looking ahead for Penn State men's basketball, you now have back-to-back -back losses against quality opponents, Clemson and Michigan State, two games that you should have won. Now you have Illinois on the horizon, and that's on Saturday. Illinois is coming off a game where they beat number two Texas, a national title contender, in a neutral site Madison Square Garden as part of the Jimmy V Classic, and they beat them in overtime. Uh, so Penn State will definitely be an underdog, but can they keep it close? My prediction here for this one, uh, initially, I, I like Illinois to win, uh, and I'm not sure what the spread will be, but I imagine that Illinois is probably going to be somewhere, given that they home court on a Saturday and this game sold out, uh, that they will be somewhere around a 10-point favorite, uh, if you can believe that, especially with the way that Penn State's played as of late, so that will factor into it. And I, and I buy that deficit. I would like to think that Penn State can come within six to eight points, uh, but I think that uh, Illinois will control this game mostly because they have an incredible front court and Penn State. That's going to be the true test. Seeing teams like Michigan, like Illinois, that have these bona fide front courts, how do you defend it? How do you adjust? So I am intrigued, even if they, regardless of the result, I want to see what they do in this kind of game. That is going to be what I'm watching for when it comes to uh, Micah Shrewsbury and Penn State men's basketball on Saturday. But that's going to do it for another episode of Locked on Nittany Lines. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode. You can follow the uh, show Twitters and my personal Twitter at Locked on Nittany and at Zach underscore Seiko. If you haven't already subscribed to the YouTube channel, please, please, please help out the YouTube channel. Set a goal of 500 subscribers before the Rose Bowl. Monday, January 2nd, 2023. It's almost the end of the year. Help us, uh, New Year's resolution, make the channel even better. Uh, that'll be great once we get to 500 subscribers, and it's all because of you. Thank you so much. And I will remind everyone, comment any feedback, comment any questions you want to have answered in upcoming shows, and I'll talk to you again very soon. Thanks so much for making Locked On Nittany Lines your first listen today. For your second listen today, check out Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts.